We cover the gambit, the whole kit and caboodle of the sports world. Any ball that bounces meets the bleachers or flung for so many yards it could break a ruler. Booyah! Welcome to the JN Sports Podcast, hosted by your very own Joey Navielli, who's set to cover more sports ground than Ed Reed and Willie Mays. So, say hey to the JN Sports Podcast, your everything sports stop. What is up, Coach? Hey, how are you, Joe? I'm good. How are you? Good. How's your finger? <laughs> uh, it's still uh, it's still messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I felt terrible yeah. when I heard the news yesterday. Yeah, I, uh, I got uh, I got messed up at work the other day, and uh, I had to uh, keep this on for a few days. Yeah. Right. Well, well, let's see you live and well, though. Yeah, it's. It could have been worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything? Everything's good. Everything's good. You know, all things considering, you know, with the pandemic, you know, you're just trying to stay sane, to tell you the truth, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm getting by, getting by with the family, you know, just staying quarantined and, um, you know, pretty much just trying to stay out, out of everyone's way, you know, just do my part. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's the hard part. I'm not. We're not used to being home this much, and it's just, it's just now we're. It's either we're in the way, or they, what do you expect us to do? Whatever they do during the day. Yeah, I, I tell you, I've been home now since March 11th, and um, that was the day after uh, we played uh, Malloy in the, in the quarterfinals of the intersectional, and um, you know we were all excited because we, you know, we finally advanced to to the semifinals. Uh, the New York City playoffs, and then that Thursday was when we got the news that you know the playoffs are probably going to be canceled, and uh, you know we didn't think we were going to be able to resume play. And um, I tell you, I just sped home, you know, just to make sure my family was okay, and um, and they were, and um, I pretty much have been isolated, quarantined at home since since that date. So it's been it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's been rough. It's been rough, but you know. Managed to get through it. So, uh, I know you've been coaching for a long time. I've been I've been following you guys for a while because a bunch of guys that I coached basketball with and went to say race like Brian and Kevin, and mm-hmm. uh, two I was two great guys. Yeah, they Brian. I started my coaching career for AAU underneath Brian. I was okay. given a choice. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm gonna stick with Brian. I've seen him around and mm-hmm. and all that. I was wondering, like, what made you start coaching basketball? You know, I, I always felt like that was something I wanted to do, um, whether it was coaching, playing. I, I just always felt that, that um, as I was getting older, that I always wanted to be involved with the game. Um, you know, it, it wasn't until I got my first job as a head coach. Um, actually, I started off as an assistant coach, um, coaching out in the Kingsbridge section of the Bronx, at a Catholic school. I was actually coaching CYO basketball. Uh, the name of the school is uh, Our Lady of Angels. Uh, unfortunately, they closed down a, a few years back, but that's pretty much where I cut my teeth as a coach. Um, I started off as an assistant coach on the JV team the first year I was there, and then I was promoted to the head JV coach um, the following year. Um, that was back in 1999, 
and I also served. Uh, I'm aging myself, I know. And uh, <laughs> I, I I also served as a uh, as an assistant coach on the varsity team. Now it wasn't until I would say my first year at St. Ray's was when I realized that that was that was it. I, I wanted to coach high school basketball. You know, at that time St. Raymond's was pretty much on top of the Catholic League. Um, they had won a couple of city titles, uh, and they they were rolling. They were rolling, and um, you know, I had the pleasure of, uh, of of teaching a lot of those guys or having those guys in my class. And then um, eventually, I did get involved in, in coaching um, with the program. But it wasn't until again back I would say back 1998, 1999, uh, the turn of the century that uh, I really uh, realized that that was something I wanted to do and pursue. Yeah, it's. It's crazy because, like, I didn't expect – I started doing this for service hours in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And myself, I was like, I was like, what can I do that I can get my service hours without, like, saying, oh, this is, like, boring and everything. But I mm-hmm. stopped – my first game that I coached, the guy left me by myself at Corpus Christi mm-hmm. in Worcester mm-hmm. for a championship. Really? Yeah, he was like, listen, he's like, I might be late. He was like – you start the game, but we get to the fourth quarter. I look at him at the door. We're losing by 10. I see him at the door. I'm like, are you going to come over and help me? He was like, no, <laughs> you got to finish yourself. He was like, you started. Now you got to finish. And we ended up winning. He was like, he was like, I should leave you more often. I said, the kids listen to you. <laughs> so at that point, I guess that's when you got bit by the bug, huh? Yeah, that's when I got bit by the bug. I was like, you know what? I was like, I guess I'm just going to stick around. I'm going to keep doing it for a while. Yeah, no, no <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Uh, I, I find it very rewarding. Uh, again, it's it, it almost doesn't feel like it's it's work because you just love to do it. You know, it's a lot of fun and, uh, you know, just the whole process and everything that goes into coaching and, you know, just seeing the byproduct of what you put into your team. Um, you know, um, when, when you play your games, I, I think it's really satisfying or gratifying. And, um, you know, it's something that I've continued to, to enjoy and I, and I, I want to continue to do. And I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, and if I didn't start doing this, I don't know what I would do. Like, I do baseball and basketball, and it's two totally different levels of play, but it's just – it's it's enjoying to see the kids, like, want to be there and, and play the game, and especially when they win, like, that's, like, that's another, like, accomplishment for them. And sure. Makes them more happy and everything. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. What was it like? I know you you've coached in a lot of games. Like, what was it like that one game that you played at Mount St. Michael when the gym was packed and and like there was like basically no standing room in there this year, this past season. That that was abs- yeah, that was absolutely nuts. I mean, I, I've coached in, in in big games, and um, you know, I, I think back to when I had Isaiah Washington as a senior, and um, usually for Isaiah Washington's games, the, those same Rays was always sold out. Um, you know, but uh, at, at that time, the biggest crowd I ever saw at Rays was uh, when we were playing Bishop Lachlan. And, you know, you had Carmelo Anthony, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other Nick players and Davies. They were all at that game. That was like the biggest game I ever coached. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think it could get any bigger until we played at Mount St. Michael. We, we played Stepanek at Mount. That was, you know, it, it was it was crazy. It was just, it, you know, I didn't really – take notice. Um, and I usually don't, um, I, I don't really focus on the crowd when, when, when I coach. Um, but that was a day that you just could not ignore the crowd. It was just, it was ridiculous, but it was fun. 
It was a lot of fun. I, I love was, I love crowded gyms. That that's that's the best part about it. But like like what do you do to like keep your kids like cool? Like they're big crowds like that and like how do you like what do you say to the kids before the game knowing you're gonna get into that? I always talk to them before the game. Actually, you know, leading up to the game, I'll start talking about it at, at practice. Um, and just to mentally prepare them for what they're about to see. But I think it's important for the, for the players to understand that we need, the game needs to be played. And, you know, we've prepared all week for our opponent. We've, we've, we've gone through our scouting report. We've watched film. And we can't allow the crowd to really affect the play, the players, only because we have a job that needs to get done. And we, we have a mission at hand. And, um, you know, I think once, you know, the kids, you could, you could always tell, and, you know, it's not just on our team, but on the opposing team, they might have some jitters. You know, you might see some sloppy play for the first few minutes of the quarter. And, um, but I think after a few minutes, I think the kids just completely block out the crowd and realize that what matters most is what's in between the lines. And, um, you know, but, but again, for us, trust me, we talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about it you know, two or three days before the game, and we'll tell them it's going to be a big crowd. You know, you just can't allow yourselves to, to, to be consumed by the crowd. And, and don't play for the crowd. You know, play, play, play for us. Play for each other, okay, because we, we have a goal. But, but again, we, we, have to, we have to prepare these guys for that. Yeah, that's, I think that's the toughest part in any sport that you play is, is you don't know who's going to – you can have 10 people there or you can have a packed gym like you guys have for most of the games that you played this season. And it's that, that's the hardest part because you never know. Like, and you never know who's actually on your side. Like, you can be walking to a gym on your opposing team and there'll be no one there to watch you guys play. And cheer yeah, you guys. It's, ha it's happened to us. You know, we went, we went out to play Bergen Catholic um, out in Jersey and the, at Bergen Catholic. And, you know, they had a, a slew of, uh, of teams that came uh, played in in, uh, in a showcase, you know, you had a lot of college coaches that were at that showcase, and you know we were playing the home the home team, and the place was jam packed to capacity, and you know you knew that they were there to watch their their home team play, home team. and um, you know it was uh, it was a challenging experience for us, um, but at, at the end of the day, it, it should never change the the goal of what the team has set out to do that particular game, you know, I mean, it, it, and that's why I always say, you know, not every place that you're going to go and play, not every home crowd or every crowd is going to be cheering for you. You're going to have people that are going to be cheering against you. You know, how do you respond to that? You got to block them out. You got to, you got to stay focused, get, you know, maintain your focus, stay locked in and understand that, you know, you're there to get the job done. And, uh, you know, sometimes you, you just have to block the crowd out. Who was, who was your toughest competition this year that you guys played? Besides, like, I know Stepanek had those, had RJ and AJ on the team, and, and I see you guys battling out with them all the time. But with all the other teams you guys played, who was your toughest competition? Uh, Scanlon was tough for us. Scanlon was tough for us, especially at their place. Um, we lost to them, um, you know, I believe by basket. And, um, you know, that, that was pretty tough. And even, you know, when we had to play them in the semifinal round of the diocesan playoffs, you know, we were down to them. I think we got down like 14, 15 points. Uh, we have eventually were able to pull away, but that was a tough challenge for us, you know, containing Kobe Brea, you know, that, that, that was, uh, that was a pretty difficult task. Um, 
you know, uh, another team that was tough for us, Cardinal Hayes. When we played Cardinal Hayes at their place, we only beat them by a point. Um, that was a tough matchup for us. You know, uh, Malachi Smith didn't necessarily play well that game. Um, the team as a whole just did not play well. Um, and but but again, you know, <laughs> it, you know, it just goes to show you the re resiliency of our team. We were able to to get out of there with a win, and and it was ugly, and it was ugly. But we were very very appreciative of the fact that we won that game. Okay, whether it was by a point. 15, 20, we didn't care. We got the dub, and, you know, we knew it was a tough challenge. At their place, it's always tough for us to play there. Yeah, they're, they're, you guys are – from this season, I noticed, like, it's not really, like, lopsided, the, the teams. The, you guys are all, like, even, and that's the best part about it because, like, you know you're not going to go in there and blow a team out. You know you're not going to go in there and get blown out by a team. And that's, that's the best part about Catholic high school basketball. Yeah, I think also, you know, there's a lot of parity, like you said, um, between the teams. But I think I think what really stands out for me um, as a coach is the level of coaching that takes place in the Catholic League. We have some really, really good coaches that mm -hmm. that spend a lot of time. I mean, I know I spend a lot of time, but these guys spend just as much as much time, or maybe even more time, you know, preparing for for their opponents and. Uh, you know, I give those guys a lot of credit. You know, I always say in the Catholic League, there, there's no cupcake games, you know. Uh, every team's talented. You know, a, a lot of the teams in the, in the Catholic League, they have really good coaches, and they're going to coach their players up. So every game's going to be a battle for us. So, we, you know, we just can't take anything for granted. Yeah. Now, like, I'm not sure how, how it worked, but, like, when you know, like, your kids are getting ready to go to college and everything, like, like say Malachi, for example. Like, do you take the initiative and say, like, you do you let him talk to the coaches or do you talk to the coaches for him? Like, how do you do it when it's time to? Uh, it's a combination of the two. You know, at the end of their sophomore year, college coaches are allowed to start calling players. Like, and actually, or actively recruit them. Um, you know, and, and that usually starts during the AAU season. Um you know, but going into the fall or even during the summer, you know, um, I have a lot of friends that, that are in the coaching business and they'll go out and watch watch him play or some of the players in, in our program. And I'll reach out to a lot of those coaches. You know, I say, hey, you know, I, I need you to go watch Malachi Smith or I need you to go watch Lewis Courtright. You know, he's playing on this day, on this court, and uh, they'll go and, and check him out. Um, and they'll always call back and give me some feedback. But a lot of times, you know, you get some new coaches who I might not necessarily have a relationship with. Um, the ones that do it the right way, they'll contact him or they'll contact me first. And if there's a genuine interest, you know, they'll, they'll express that. And the, the coaches in the business that do things the right way, um, you know, they'll, they'll go through me. And, and a lot of times they might even go through the AAU coach, but there's always uh, a relationship between myself, the AAU coach, and, you know, and, and the parents as well and the player. And we want to be able to communicate with each other and know, okay, well, this coach called you, this coach reached out to you. But I think one of the things you need in having success with that is making sure that everybody's on the same page. So if someone, if a coach reaches out to, to Malachi Smith, you know, dad would tell the coach, Hey, you need to call the high school coach and he'll make sure to give them my information. Coaches call me, you know, we'll rap about Malachi, you know, we'll talk about, why they feel Malachi would be a good fit for the program. Um, and then if they're really interested, they'll let me know. Hey, we're ready to offer him. 
And um, sometimes they'll offer him directly or they'll, they might offer him through me. Uh, but usually there is a conversation that does take place between the coaches and the player. But, uh, but, but again, there's constant communication on both sides, you know, whether it's, you know, my, myself directly with the coaches, you know, I might, you know, if a player doesn't know the coach necessarily, I might be the one to introduce the coach uh, to the mm -hmm. player. We usually get that a lot in the fall. So, you know, if, uh, if a college coach had seen one of our guys play during the summer but didn't necessarily have an opportunity to reach out to the kid or didn't know how to contact the kid, um, they, they always know they can contact me, you know, and I'm easy to reach. You know, I'll just call the school if they can't reach me or if they don't have my personal uh, cell number or they, they'll email me. And um, usually I'll invite them to the fall workout. They'll come to the fall workout. Um, if they really like the kid, you'll see them there multiple times throughout the fall. And then ultimately, you know, there'll be a conversation between the coaches or the coach, the player. And um, that's usually where uh, offers do take place. You know, like, so I was just, I was, I noticed you have all these guys going, St. Ray's has all these big players that used to play in college and playing now. Like, who's, out of all the coaches that you've came in contact with, who was, like, one of your favorite, like, favorite, not favorites, but, like, the easiest to talk to and in, in terms of, like, communicating with them and the way that they do it? Um, you know, I would say that most of the coaches that I do have a relationship with and are, am, am in contact with, um, you know, they're, they're easy to talk to. Um, I think one of the ones that I would say for me, at least as a standout would probably be, uh, coach, uh, Joe Mahalik over at Hofstra, you know, when he was recruiting a couple of our guys, you know, he would always, to showing up, whether it's to a game or, or to a practice or to, uh, to, um, to, to a scrimmage. And, um, you know, he would always comment on the game, some of the things that he saw, some of the good things that he liked. And he was always – he was never scared to, uh, to share that information with me. And, you know, I, I was always very appreciative of that. But, uh, you know, I think over the years we've developed a very good relationship. You know, he currently has one of our guys there, um, Omar Silverio, playing at Hofstra. So, you know, I think that's where the relationship first started. Yeah. Now, someone asked, someone asked a question up here. How, he was asking, how can you get into coaching, into the coaching business for Catholic high school? Um, I would reach out to the coaches. Um the head coaches of the program, um, shoot them an email, you know, find out there's any, any openings. Um, you know, I think that probably the easiest way to break into coaching, especially the Catholic league would probably be to volunteer your time. Um, you know, I, I did that my, my first year at St. Ray's, I actually volunteered. Um, I was volunteer coach, not the whole season, but, uh, for certain parts of the season, especially during the Christmas um, tournament, um, Tony Irelli, who was a great uh, coach at St. Ray's, um, you know, he was a very good friend of mine. And, um, you know, he would allow me to sit on the bench and one of the, or he had allowed me to sit on, on the bench as a volunteer coach um, and during one of the Christmas tournaments. And, um, you know, I, I would say that's probably the easiest way to go about it. If you can afford some time, 
Um, but, you know, I, if you're serious about coaching, I, I would say get that resume ready and, um, you know, reach out to the coaches in, in the Catholic League. You know, email them. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I see that you, like, you got asked to coach in a few of these other games, like Jordan Classic and all that. Like, what what was it like knowing, knowing that they asked you to coach in that kind of game? Oh, it was great. You know, it was uh... – for myself, it was a proud moment, you know, coaching at the Jordan game uh, would have been a great experience. Unfortunately, I was unable to to make my way to Chicago due to the pandemic. But, uh, you know, just being asked uh, was was a big honor for me, um, you know, and, and a proud moment. Um, you know, I, I would say that most coaches who coach on this level would love to get that opportunity to do to, to, to coach at that or an event that prestigious. And uh, the fact that I was asked this year, again, was, uh, was, was extremely humbling. Now, uh, do you think that those games, they noticed, like, how you handle yourself during games that you played during the, the, off, the non-conference games and the regular games? you think that's why did they look for those? Like, how did they choose? Yeah, well, you know, the, the Jordan Brand Classic um, – it's obviously sponsored by Jordan and Nike, and um, I have a very good relationship with one of the directors, actually director for the uh, high schools, for the Nike Elite programs throughout the country, uh, Tony Dorado. And, um, you know, I, I, th- I think they took notice of the work that – or the body of work that I've managed to put together the last couple of years. And um, as a reward, they're going to usually take care of their coaches – um, the Nike high school coaches. And uh, when, when I was asked this year, you know, again, um, the acknowledgement that I got from uh, Tony Dorado uh, of the work that I did was something that I was very, very proud of. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I was being rewarded for, for, for my work um, th- during the years. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest uh, accomplishments, like getting an extra coach games that – you don't know you're going to get extra coach. Like, like this year I was taking pictures at the All-Star game for CYO, and the, mm. the CYO director came out to me and he was like, you want to coach the girls' game? I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, why not? I was like, I was like, I didn't expect him to ask me. Like, like just things like those are, are accomplishments. Like, he notices those who, who do what they're supposed to do and they do it the right way. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And you know what? It's It's a testament to your – to your work and your commitment. And, you know, it, it's a way to really um, be acknowledged for, for your work, you know, because I, you know, as coaches, a lot of times I, I know myself, I don't take the time out to really focus on the accomplishments that I've had um, during my career. I, I'm just so focused in on the players and, and the success of the program, the success of, you know, the kids and, you know, who's going to college that you don't really take, a step back to, 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 you know, to think back to all the things that you've done and how you've impacted the game or how you've impacted the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's just, and it's nice to see people uh, appreciate the way you're doing, you do things and, and take advantage of like the, the talent that you have and, and all that. So it's, it's nice to see that people who don't really come to games and don't really like aren't really from here ask you to do things for their like organization and other stuff like that 
Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely, uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's, uh, and like I said, it's, uh, it's a humbling experience as well. Yeah. We have another question here. Someone asked, how do you, how did you go about building your culture for your program? You know, the culture at St. Ray's, I would have to give uh, the legendary coach, Gary Caesar a lot of credit. You know, he's the man who helped lay the foundation for the program. You know, he's had a lot of success. He's won four city New York City titles. He's won two state championships. Um, you know, his program, his teams, while he was at the helm, were nationally ranked, you know, in the top five. Um, so, you know, when you talk about the culture and you talk about the tradition that is St. Ray's, that's something that he started. And then, you know, we had a, uh, another great coach, um, my mentor <laughs> and um, my predecessor, uh, Olive Antigua, who had his, level, his own success with the program. And I think for both of us, just acknowledging the success that Coach DeCesar had pretty much laid out for the program is something that he took personally and I took personally. And, you know, he upheld the standards um, that were laid out by Coach uh, DeCesar. And, you know, when, when I took over the program, that's something that I wanted to continue. I wanted to maintain that same tradition and the, the, the level of success that the program has endured over the last, you know, 30 years. And, um, you know, a, again, it's something that, I didn't necessarily establish, but it's something that I feel like I've been able to preserve and I want to continue to preserve. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's nice to see like stuff that the other coaches did in the past you guys are doing now. Like I remember uh, when I first started coming around Rays, like, like I used to come watch Joe Emilio mm -hmm. when he was coaching the varsity B team. And it's nice to see, like, all the stuff that you guys do together and, like, you guys help each other out. Like, that's yeah, how it's, it's nice to see, like, all the coaches from freshmen and JV come to varsity and help you coach the varsity. It's, it's nice to see everyone together like that. Yeah, no, you know, I, I always say a head coach is only as good as his staff. And I'm a firm believer of that. And, um, you know, a lot of the success that we've had, recent success that we've had is, you know, I, I you know, attribute a lot of that to, to, to the coaching staff that I do have, you know, starting with uh, Coach Roosevelt Byers and Rob Young on a freshman level. Um, you know, the job that they do year in and year out, um, you know, Chris Williams and, and Mark Rodriguez have been, have been, you know, a very interesting group to follow only because, you know, a lot of times when kids get, you know, like most schools, some of the better players who go from freshman year to their sophomore year, they get moved up, you know, and, um, you know, so a lot of the times, you, you know, the JVs, the JV teams are left without the best players um, at, at that age. And, um, you know, the job that they were able to do this year and, um, you know, to, to win a city title, on a JV level was extremely, extremely um, important for the program and it was great for them and great for the kids. Um, you know, so w when you have people like that who are committed and share that love for the game the same way I do, it makes my job a whole lot easier, you know. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, the one thing that's important, you know, you talked about Joe Emilio. You know, when Joe Emilio was at St. Ray's, you know, he was a tremendous help for me. You know, he, he was uh, the cornerstone of uh, the success that I've had. 
um, you know, and he obviously went on to, to be the head coach at Scarsdale High School, and that's something that I really wanted for him. Um, but, you know, it, again, it's something that you – I think that any head coach who has success has to acknowledge the amount of work that these assistant coaches put in day in and day out. So uh, yeah. I give those guys a lot of credit. Yeah, especially, like, the Catholic school league. Like, I, I see, like, these you guys give, like, your, your all – like when it comes to practices, like when I came to uh, when I came to media day at at St. Mary's, I saw how you guys run varsity practices, and it's just you guys you guys do everything. You you, you don't just focus on one kid like like how some other coaches probably do at the at other schools, but like you focus on everything, and that's how it's supposed to be. Like, and that's that's just like the right way. Yeah, I think you know. I think one of the one of the important things that I think any coach would have to do um, if they want their players to play at, at a high level, you can't just focus on on just one kid or, or two kids. You know, you have to figure out how can each player on the team contribute to the success of the team. And um, I think that's the tricky part sometimes, you know, um, trying to figure out the players and trying to figure out, you know, what are their strengths and what are some of the weaknesses um, they have and 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 you have to improve as a coach um, that's I think that's part of the, part of the process okay and um, you know a, again you know just acknowledging that you know you have 12 13 guys on the team not just five and you have to hold everybody accountable and you have to you know play to everybody's strengths and, and, and understand that the makeup of your of your personnel and uh, for us that's always been very important and I think we're, we're able to maximize once we once we kind of figure out, OK, this kid, you know, he, he might struggle running the point, but he can shoot the hell out the ball. You know, so let's 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 move him onto the wing and maybe he can we can maximize his talent that way. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, for me, that's something that we were able to do. But again, I have a great staff who can help me acknowledge and, and point some of those things out to me. Yeah, like I used to uh, I used to love watching Ray go into the game and and when you took him off the bench and he just lit it up like yeah like coming from coming from watching him play at Santa Maria with Mark and I used to worry about him and Mark and and Eli I used to worry about them when I used to coach them in CY against them in CYO mm -hmm. just watch go into the game and and changing the the atmosphere of the game and and everything is just that's what you need like you need that person off the bench to. Just go in there. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about bench players, and uh, I think that's why our team is so unique, you know, everybody on this team understood what their role was. And when you have players that can accept their role and do their job to the best of their ability, then I think that's when you're going to have the most success. And, um, you know, the kids you just mentioned, you know, uh, Ray Pimentel, you know, you know, he was a sophomore coming in. Um, you know, I didn't know what to expect from him, um, but I knew he could play. And I, and I knew he played with a lot of heart, a lot of passion. And, and you know, he played hard, he played with a high motor. And you knew that you could get something from him playing that type of – with that, with that effort when, he, um, when you get a player to play with that effort. So, you know, 
trying to figure out what his position was going to be or actually what his role on the team was going to be. I think that was something that we all try to figure out, but we eventually figured it out. And uh, I give him a lot of credit because he, he realized, you know what, I might struggle doing some of the things coaches ask me to do, but I know I can help him doing other things. And he was able to do that for us. And, you know, uh, he had some big games for us where he knocked down some key shots, especially the last game we played against Scanlon, that semifinal game, you know, I think he, he probably just had three points in the game, but he probably hit the biggest shot of his career, knocking down three to give us the lead. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what it's about. Like you have to, like, it's the, not only the kids who start and play most of the game, it's the kids who come in also that, that are like the key players also. I'll give you another example. Jer Jeremy Lakai was a senior who played varsity B um, last year. And we moved him up to the varsity this year. And, you know, he didn't play a whole lot, but his contribution to the team was so great because he battled with our guys every single practice. He made our guys better. He made them ready. He got them ready for every game. And, and again, you know, I wish I could have played him a little bit more. Um, but uh, I always say, you know, he's a big part of the success that we had was because – you know, every practice was going to be a tough practice because because of his makeup, because of how tough he was. And uh, so, you know, I mean, again, every player, uh, you have to factor in that you have 12, 13 players. Sometimes the most important player on the team is that 12th, 13th guy. You know, you want to make sure you don't lose that guy. You know, you want to make sure that he comes to practice every single day, gives you 100% of what he can, and that he does his job to the fullest. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, you can't just forget you know, the last five, you know, last six, seven players on the team. Can't just focus on the first five. You know, you have a question from your uh, your manager over here. He asked, uh, who, is, who has been the most coachable player you ever coached? The most coachable? I've had many coachable players. You know, it's tough to pinpoint one particular person. Um, you know, it's there, there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch, you know, I, I've been lucky that way, you know, um, you know, I mean, I'll throw some names out, you know, J Jalen Murnau, you know, was extremely coachable um, at the point guard position, Malachi Smith, you know, the entire team, the entire, I mean, I'm talking about from, from top to bottom, you know, this year's team, last year's team were extremely coachable, um, you know, and it's rare that you get, you know, 12, 13 guys that are willing to do anything and everything you ask them to do um, at, at an elite level. Um, you know, so I, I, I would – it's tough for me to actually name one particular player because I've had so many. Yeah. And it, and that's that's the good thing, like, especially coaching at, like, St. Ray's and, or Scanlon. Like, a lot of kids aren't, like, coming in there not to want to play. They're all coming in there to want to learn and, and get to the next level of basketball. And so a lot of kids are all going to be there to, to be there, not just to be there because they want to play for their school or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No, you have to get guys that want to commit to the team and, and it can't yeah. be about the individual. You know, we, we make sacrifices and, and we, and we try to point out that, and this is from the start of the season, even beforehand. I mean, you know, we start preparing for the following year in the spring, you know, and uh, during the postseason, you know, one of the things that we continue to emphasize and our biggest message is that, you know, this is a, a team, and it's going to be 
special, you can have a special year if you're willing to sacrifice your individuality. You know, because I think when, when you start focusing on just yourself and your numbers and, and, you know, what you were able to do versus what we were able to do, um, I think that's just a recipe for, for failure. And, um, you know, again, I think it's important for, for us to continue to drill in our players that it's more than just one person. You know, it's going to take a village, you know, to, to, to have success. And, um, and we've shown that. We've shown that. And, um, you know, I think one of the, the greatest things I can say about our teams, uh, especially the last few years, we've never, ever focused on or even looked at stats to see who was the highest score. For us, our biggest stats are deflections, rebounding, steals, turnovers, transition points, assists. You know, those are some of the, the th those are key stats that we focus on. So that is always going to be a collective effort. And, and, and again, that's the most important thing for us. Yeah, like, uh, that's, that's what it is. Like, a lot of kids focus on other things, that, but like, they don't notice the big picture of what other of what their coaches look like look at and and they focus on like their their points and all that but like in the end it's really how the coach thinks they look at how they see them play and that's what's going to determine their playing time for their for their team sure absolutely absolutely yeah so like i know you don't coach the freshman uh team like but like i know you're you're there watching everything what do you notice most that incoming freshmen lack in the basketball team? And why do you think that is? Like just the, IQ. the freshman. IQ. <laughs> basketball IQ. You mm -hmm. know, and, and that's why, I, you know, I always give Rose, Coach Rose and Coach Young a lot of credit because they really do a lot of teaching. You have to do a lot of teaching. Now, I coach freshman basketball. I, I did so for nine years. And so I, I know that, you know, the kids that are coming in into into the ninth grade, um, that you have to teach them about, you know, learning how to make reads or and it's not so much the development part of it. I think it's more so just teaching them the game and having an understanding of the game. Um, you know, because the kids that do come to the same race, I mean, we have talented players and, and they can obviously play basketball at that level and, and be uh, you know, major players in the Catholic League. But, you know, I think coming in as as freshmen um, I think it's important for us to really take a step back and, and, and let them understand that high school basketball is a little bit different than playing eighth grade basketball, or seventh grade basketball. You know, it's a little bit more methodical. Um, you got to slow things down sometimes. And, and you know, the one-on-one -on -one play is not always going to work. And, you know, being able to make reads is something that's extremely important for us to teach. Um, but for us, it always starts on a freshman level. And, again, the JV coaches, you know, Coach Sewell and Mark Rodriguez, they do a tremendous job just continuing to teach on that level. And then by the time they get to the varsity, they understand what I'm saying. Okay, they understand my vocabulary, um, you know, my, my, my coaching jargon. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's important for us to acknowledge that, you know, I think that the players have to continue to get better um, at earlier stages. And not just learning how to play. I mean, I mean – it's having a better understanding of the game itself, okay? So, so yeah. to answer your question, IQ. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. Like, I, uh, when I do summer basketball, I coach that eighth grade level going into freshman year. And 
That's what I'm. I, I that's what I tell them the most. I'm like, they have you have to understand basketball. You have to have the IQ if you want to play for a team like you guys or Stepanek or or Scanlon or Iona and and it it's all teachable. I said it's not like you're gonna go in there and just be like, oh wow, I'm not sure. I don't understand this. They, they that's what they don't understand. Like they just think that they're gonna go in there and play. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's all a process, okay? It's all a process. Again, you know, sometimes the players don't have enough maturity uh, to understand that, but eventually they will. You know, they develop that maturity and understand, okay, I, I, if they were to look back and retrospect what, they're, what they were like, like freshmen to what they are today, they, they, they'll probably laugh at themselves. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Gary Grant, okay, one of the top uh, – rated eighth graders coming to, you know, to St. Ray's from Queens. And um, I was actually uh, going over a couple of the sets. We were working out in the summer, just working out with the players, just, just playing pickup. And, uh, you know, I was trying to um, show him some of the things that we do on a varsity level. And um, we ran this set, a simple, quick hitter. And um, I asked Gary to set a screen and to slip the screen if his man over helped. And um, through the corner of my eye, I saw Gary asking one of the players, what's a slip? He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know what, what I meant. So I made sure to point out to him that, again, that's something that he's going to learn while he's at St. Ray's. And a perfect example. I mean, you know, you have an eighth grader who's extremely talented. It has nothing to do with talent with that. But, but, you know, understanding the game itself, it's something that some, that, that's going to, Take time, but eventually you will get if you really want to get better. And, um, you know, Gary Grant went from scoring 33 point, points as a freshman on the varsity, total points for the year, 33, to scoring 1,141 points for his career. You know, so, right. so he's a 1,000-point scorer. And um, I'm extremely proud of his accomplishment. But, again, from freshman year to sophomore to year, junior senior to now, he's gotten better, but that's because he cared – about his development and understanding the game. And that's why, you know, we talk about coachable players. He was a coachable player. Yeah, like, uh, what is what is a, what is the f incoming freshman class look like for you guys? Do you, do you uh, know, like? Yeah, no, I have some idea of who's coming in. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it looks pretty good for now. Yeah. It looks good for now. That's, that's, that's the best part, like, especially now, like, you guys have, you guys had and have, players going places like to colleges and stuff like that that's the big key and like that they you get all the other players from the best like travel teams and summer teams come to you guys and look at the school and everything so like do you guys have kids ever come to practice and watch how you do it like how, how it goes on yeah i always open practices up um to to the grammar schools to uh coaches youth coaches Anybody who ever wants to come to a St. Ray's coach, uh, you know, they're always welcome to attend a St. Ray's practice. And any questions that they might have, I'll entertain those questions. Sometimes I'll take time to talk to the kids and explain to them what is it that we're doing. Uh, that's why I love having camps. You know, you, that's probably one of the best times. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to have a camp this summer. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what the state guidelines and state protocol um, will be in regards to uh, to the pandemic. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I love to do is to teach basketball at, at a youth level. 
And um, I, I always welcome any of those campers and, and, again, any team in New York City or any coach in New York City to come to a practice and watch and see what, what we do on the, on the high school level, on varsity level. Yeah, that's, that's good. I remember when I first, uh, first met you at the, when you did the uh, guest speaker for our, uh, our uh, banquet that we had. Yep. I asked you if I can come to a practice and – you, you gave me your phone number, and you were like, "Anytime you want to come, you can." Yeah, anytime. And, and that's when that's when I knew I was like, I was like, if I start photography and everything, I knew St. Mary's would be the people who who helped me out, and that's what they did. Mark helped me out. You helped me out a lot, and it's appreciated a lot. No problem. No problem. Well, that's what we do, man. We try to help each other out. You know, I see my man Kareem Reed's on here. <laughs> St. Ray's legend. One of St. Ray's best. What is uh? What's your uh? What's your uh? Non-conference schedule looking like this year? Do you have anything planned? Yeah. Uh. So right now, and that's obviously uh. You know we have to factor in what's presently happening, uh, with the pandemic. Uh, we're scheduled to travel out to South Beach, uh, to play in the Junior Orange Bowl Classic, um, which is a three three game tournament. And we'll be playing against some of the top teams in in, uh, in Miami, Florida. Um, so if there aren't any restrictions or travel restrictions, then we'll be heading out there. Um, and I do know that this year we will be playing in the Hoop Hall Classic in January. I don't know who the opponent will be. Um, they still haven't told me, but uh, but we're definitely playing in that. Nice. Yeah, it's a, I like watching the, these games where you guys go travel and play the competition from out there or – or stuff like that. Those are, like, games that people look forward to, especially, like, alumni that you guys have following the game and and they, they, they travel with you guys. It's it's nice to see you play different competition like that and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, before we end, like, what's some advice that you can give to, like, young coaches or young players going into high school or traveling or transitioning to college now? Um, for the coaches, I would say that every coach should continue to work on their craft. Uh, if you're really serious about, you know, coaching on, on a high school level or even on the youth level, um, you know, that's something that you should really take into consideration is becoming a student of the game. Uh, really understanding the game. Um, I, when I was coming up as a coach, I attended tons of clinics. Basketball clinics were great to go to. Um, I learned a lot of stuff from, from a lot of different guys, a lot of different coaches, legendary coaches. Um, you know, there's tons of stuff on YouTube uh, for coaches. Uh, I would say, you know, just truly become a student, okay? Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I've known guys that played the game who transitioned into coaching, and they'll tell you it's, they're just two different things, okay? You know, playing is one thing, but understanding, you know, strategy and, and and, you know, different situations and how to combat those situations. You know, those are some of the things that you have to take time with and eventually learn as you go through your experiences. Um, but, you know, for any coach, you know, just be, be um, you know, study your craft, you know, really develop your craft. And for the players, you know, I would say that there's always an opportunity for you to get better. Um, if you're really serious about playing on this level, this particular level, and eventually go to college and play on the collegiate level, you have to continue to work. 
you know, and, and you have to be passionate about it. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of times you, you, you run into kids that love the game of basketball. They love to play the game, but they hate to work and develop their skill set. You know, they would rather play and not really focus in on what their weaknesses are and how they can get better. But instead, they focus more so on just playing games. And I've seen players who have come into, you know, a situation where the St. Ray's or another school um, where they might have been very talented as ninth graders. But by the time they get to the 11th grade, they get passed by by other players who weren't as popular as they were as they were um, as they were coming into high school. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the kids that continue to develop and continue to work on their game daily, you're going to show improvements. You're going to see improvements. And if you're not competing, if you're not developing your skill set and, and trying to get better, you will get passed by by some of these other kids, especially the younger um, generation of kids that are coming up. Yeah, and uh, that's what it is. Like, a lot of people don't notice, like, especially the kids, like, they – they see they take this time and they some kids take it as a break from basketball, and then some kids I see like especially kids from say Ray's they're working. Like I just did a video for Kadar, he's working and he's practicing, and I always see Mally working and and getting better. Like that's what it has to be. Like I see your guys just don't settle for the bottom. They want to get to the the highest point they can be at, and that's. Well, they see, you know, when they when they see players like uh, Malachi Smith and they, and Lewis Corwright and Gary Grant um, and some of the previous players that we've had, to get to a certain point in their career, especially those that want to go on to college, they, you have to put the work in. And a lot of the times, you know, these are the guys that are coming in early um, during the summer months, uh, putting that work in. These are the guys that are staying after practice two hours, sometimes three hours, just work working on their game, you know, they, they live by example, you know, they, they show, they're showing the rest of the kids in the program. This is what you need to do. If you want to have success, if you want Georgetown calling you, recruiting mm -hmm. you, or Rutgers recruiting, you, okay. You know, you, you got to put the work in and, and you can't cheat the process. You know, there's just, there's no way you can. And one of the things, you know, I, I tell our guys, you know, every, every, at the end of the season, I always have a meeting with every player. And when I talk to the players, we talk about their experiences as a player on the varsity team. We talk about some of the high points of the season, maybe the low points of the season for them. Um, and then we talk about strengths and we talk about weaknesses. And I'll have a list of things that players do well, but I'll also have that list ready to go of things that the players need to work on during the offseason. You know, whether it's shooting, whether it's ball handling, whether it's defending. Um, and, you know, I challenge our guys and I tell our guys, these are the things that you're going to have to work on during the offseason so that when you come back collectively as a team, you're going to help this team prosper. You know, so, you know, that's the one time, you know, we focus on the individuality, right? So what you do as an individual during your off time is going to help us collectively as a team. And, you know, we stress that, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to continue to work. You have to continue to work. That's all it is. And, and you're going to notice those who come back to you after this pandemic and, and come to basketball and see their first shot that they take and, and see if they've been working or not during, during this time. Well, tonight I'm supposed to have a zoom meeting with my team 
and the coaching staff at 8.30. I want to see what, what everybody's been doing these last uh, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it should be interesting. I hear – I saw uh, Lewis put it up. It was like team meeting. I was like, oh, George, Coach Lopez is probably checking in on him to see if they're doing the right thing. That's right. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> yeah, or else they're just going to go and do their own thing and maybe – Listen, knows what they're gonna do. coaching that same race is a 24-hour job. Trust me when I tell you. <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to say thanks for coming on. It was uh, this was a uh, this was a good one, especially like from a local school from the area, and and from you guys helping me out with photography and all that. I appreciate you coming on here. And, well, thanks, and thanks for having me, and uh, and Joe, and thank you for all the work that you've done throughout the year. You do a tremendous job with, with your photography, and um, you know I, I would definitely recommend to anyone, your business, because uh, you, you really are a class act and you do a tremendous job. Thank you. For anyone who needs, uh, whoever has a young kid and they want to send the kid to a camp, Coach Lopez and his staff does a great job. I've, I've, I've seen over the years videos and kids who come back to CYO, great difference that they've done. So I hope to see you guys soon in the, with the season starting up. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's hope we get to that point. Let's uh, yeah. let's hope for the best. Yeah, thank you. All right, Joe, stay safe. You too.